0: Welcome to the ShrinkThink Podcast, I'm Aaron and I'm Nathan and we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to bridge the gap between therapists and clients.
1: We are your companions on your journey to build your healthcare practice, yourself and your relationships. To get you started, we've created a free email course on our website, ShrinkThink.com forward slash awesome, just kidding, (laughs) forward slash podcast. We've got practical steps on overcoming fear and anxiety. Hey, thank you for joining us on
0: the Shrink Think Podcast. Disclaimer and newsflash. We are not your therapist. Welcome to the game. We are just educating you and that is it. Do not take what we're saying as a life-changing situation. Please just enjoy the program, sit back relax, and thank you for
1: being here. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Shrink Think podcast. We've got another exciting episode for you. They're all exciting, right? I mean, honestly, like when I'm listening to them, I'm like, dang, that was exciting. And then the next one's like, wow, that was exciting, too. You're excited right now. I'm really excited. I was it's talking part- to the listener. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm also very excited. <laughs> and I'm a little bit flooded. Honestly, I'm a little bit like ah, a little bit like excitable because we're talking about conflict in one of our previous episodes. And we just kind of wanted to follow that up with a little bit more information about, you know, what happens if you're in a conversation, or if you're in a conflict, especially if you're somebody who avoids conflict or finds conflict very uncomfortable. So if you're listening, that's, that's most all of you. Of you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes.
0: I think there are some, you know, people that are like, let's have some <laughs> conflict. Let's do
1: it. That's true. That's true. All you Enneagram eights out there. Like, let's go. We can do this. Yeah. Like, in fact, any of you guys want to take me on? I would love to have a conversation <laughs> with all of you conflict avoiders. That yeah. would be fun. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, actually, it's funny, too. Me as a therapist, I remember years ago sitting with a couple and they're going through some conflict. And I remember thinking, I hate this. This is so uncomfortable. And I, like, freaked myself out for a moment because I was like, what am I doing as a couples counselor? sitting in front of a couple and there's conflict and I really don't like it. I'm like, I want to just get out of this. Right. And I sat through it and I was like, okay, actually I don't like the conflict, but I really enjoy the process of getting people out of the conflict mm-hmm. and navigating through it so that each person can be heard and um, repair the connection. I really enjoy that side of things, but the conflict itself is very uncomfortable and I feel it in my body. And that's what I was saying was like, I don't like the experience of a conflict because it feels so bodily uncomfortable. Like you're charged up. Yeah, being charged up. And so if I'm the therapist and I'm feeling that, of course, you know, the clients themselves, the people that are in the conflict are feeling that. So that's kind of what we're talking about today. If you've been in a conflict with someone and it can be something as simple as somebody says, Hey, um, at work, you did something that maybe you weren't sure that you were supposed to do or you didn't even know, right? You didn't necessarily do anything bad or wrong. You just did something. And it's like, oh, actually, we're not allowed to do that. And your boss comes to you and says, hey, I need to let you know, whatever. You might have this immediate feeling of like, ah, panic, flooding, right? Where all of your emotions go haywire inside because you're like, oh, no, I did something wrong. I'm going to get fired or I'm a terrible employee. Or if it's a partner and they're like, they hate me. You know, whatever the thing is, when you get flooded, what do you do with that and how do you manage that? Nathan, answer the question. <laughs> Ready to go. I call my therapist. No, so. Yeah, he does call me a lot. <laughs> Just gonna say. Aaron is not my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> so, bro, you can stop calling me. I'm so glad we had this realization. Made, you're made, you having a great breakthrough right now. I'm feeling very flooded.
0: It's interesting as you're saying it, putting it that way. I was thinking, yeah, that's completely true. You can have. The pure experience is when you're confronted and like, that's a good example because um, like a boss, you're not necessarily, I mean, you want to be in a good working relationship. Good God. You're going to watch the video to see what's going on right now. Uh, you are going to be in a good working relationship, but you're not necessarily caring about, I mean, you're always going to care about who you are as a person and how that's coming across. But on the other hand, if it was your spouse or something and then you get flooded with them That's a little bit of a different animal of sorts as far as how you handle it. So as far as you get yourself into a position to handle it, the biggest thing with flooding is that what you're trying to do is get to ground, so to speak. Because if you think honestly, like for those of you who care about electricity, like a good metaphor is, electricity is always trying to go to ground. So that's why lightning bolts come down and they look jagged and crooked because they're trying to find the fastest way to the ground. So when you're containing energy, you have to release it from your body and ground it out. And so it actually works to consider things like breathing, being mindful, slowing down and actually mantras have a tendency to work pretty well. So I don't know if you have any ideas that you would add to that, but that's kind of where I'm at.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just kind of taking one step back a little bit. The goal is to get grounded or there's this book out there that uh, I read a couple of years ago. I've recommended it to people. I think it's really good it's called getting to zero. And it talks all about, you know, how to do that. And the reason why that's good and how you and your if specifically, I think this is with like your partner, you two can work individually, and then also together to get yourselves grounded or down to zero, because when you're at zero, you're, uh, you're calm again, right? And of course, when you're calm, and you're relaxed, You're not activated. You're not perceiving things as a threat. You're not reactive to those things in the conversation. And if you're not perceiving things as a threat or reacting to them, then you're seeing and hearing more objectively. You're more open and you're able to receive information and reflect and reflect back more accurately what's going on, not just for you, but for the other person. Because what I usually like to describe is like when somebody has a strong or an intense feeling, typically... It's very difficult for them to see beyond that feeling, meaning um, if you imagine like pulling a, a blanket over your eyes, all you can see is that feeling blanket. That's your feeling. You cannot see the other person. You cannot see what's really going on unless and until that feeling gets regulated. You get yourself down to zero and that feeling is like acknowledged inside of you. So first and foremost, your job within yourself. This is an internal battle we're talking about is to bring yourself to safety, bring yourself down to zero grounded, because you are the person that's responsible for your own safety, your own calm, not the other person. And you really can't
0: trust and you probably know this. You can't really trust you saying anything in that scenario. Right. Yeah, (laughs) because I I can't because the reality is, is that they're simply words that are just falling out of your brain through your mouth
1: and they're probably coming out not in the way that you intend for them to come out and if you were to probably you know video record yourself you'd be like oh i was so grounded when i said that and then you watch your back and you're like i am very upset <laughs> you know you're like with very uh, large eyes and clenched teeth <laughs> yes and the other person's like are you gonna murder me <laughs>
0: it's that's a shout out to florida anyway yeah so so, but therein lies a little bit of the difference with for example when you're with a partner because with a boss you can simply say "Uh uh-huh okay uh uh-huh okay thanks and then whatever it takes to get the boss out of the room as fast as you can (laughs) honestly because you need to get the space to where you can sit down and remind yourself of things. And in light of that, I would say it is a good idea to write down some qualities of yourself that are true, that are good things like short statements. Like I care about people. I care about being truthful.
1: I care about doing a good job.
0: Yeah, Stuff like that. And writing them down somewhere near where you are meaning like your workstation or that kind of thing. Or
1: if this is a pervasive issue, consider getting it tattooed on your hand. (laughs) And spelled correctly. (laughs) Yes. So many misspellings on tattooed.
0: There it is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't say I knack. (laughs) 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 Sorry. <laughs> I you know, I watched this tattoo thing where all these misspellings and people actually like yep that looks good. Well, thanks, tattooist. I'll talk to you later. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's, no inac statements. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So at any rate, because if you can pre-write these things down when you get into a situation like that, you're not going to be able to think well. So at least you could you could look at it and begin to say, <laughs> say "Oh, dear, he can't handle it. He's still." I have tattooed him. With humor. Thank you. He's still looking at his hand. Is it really written down wrong? Um, there's nothing there, Aaron.
1: It's <laughs> that <So>, okay. <laughs> okay, we're good.
0: Uh, yeah, no, you're not. Well, hopefully. We are getting to zero. Okay. I'm listening. Okay. So, on the other hand, if you're with a partner, you're probably going to need to rehearse a little bit ahead of time. <clears throat> you could do this if you were right now in the car. You could think of a couple there wherever you're at. Think of a couple of things you want to say to yourself or say to your partner just to get the
1: space. And by the way, when you're saying that you're saying it for yourself, you're not saying it for your partner. You're not saying you need space. You need to calm down. Like, that's not a thing. That's not that's a really unhealthy thing to say, because it will sound like an accusation and it'll sound very self-righteous. Right. You're saying I need space for myself. So you
0: could say that that could be something you say or you could say, um, I'm going to need a moment. I'm going to need a few moments. If you are the partner, Aaron and I have had to do this a, probably a couple different times. I would imagine it's a lot easier because either one of us will be like, okay, yeah, take it. All right. And then there's time apart to like figure that out. Mm-hmm. But there's also intention to come back to that same thing. So that's another part of this too.
1: And there's like this mutual understanding that like, <clears throat> if you're the one That you know is needing that space or whatever. Like I've done something or I've upset you or whatever it is. I'm respecting your space. Like I want you to have that because I want you to get to zero because it's in our best interest. You know, as a relationship, for you to be grounded for us to communicate well. So I want to give you that space. And also, there's this recognition that you are doing this because you care about me. You care about working through this, and you're not taking space to avoid. You're not taking space to, you know, strategize or whatever. You're just trying to get yourself down to zero and understand what's going on for you so that you can bring that authentically to me. Right. And the sort of fringe benefit for me is I get a little bit of space too. maybe I need it. Maybe I don't realize that I'm like at, you know, three, four, and I need to come back down to zero. So it benefits both of us.
0: Yeah. The mantra thing is not something that like I'm prescribing for you to do 100 percent. It's just as. It is kind of amazing how well it works, because as you say that, I would tell you, you need to say it out loud.
1: Let me say this really quickly, too. I just want to point out that when you're flooded or when you're elevated like that, emotionally, there are like three main things that are happening. There's something going on in your thoughts or your belief systems, like you're thinking or believing wrong things or untrue or distorted kinds of thoughts, which is what these mantras are going to help correct. Correct. You've got emotionally, um, you're experiencing emotions, which is very normal, but you might be experiencing the intensity of the emotion. And then lastly, those emotions manifest themselves in the body. And so your body is activated or charged or tense in some way that needs to be either released or it needs to be comforted and soothed, right? The one that you're talking about, the mantra stuff is going to help with the thinking and the, the belief system stuff. We'll talk about the other ones as well, because sometimes it can be difficult to do this mantra stuff if your body or your emotions are not already relaxed or regulated. And sometimes for other people, you need to start with the mantra stuff, and then that will help your emotions and your body get relaxed.
0: Right. Yeah. And the other thing I would I would offer inside of this mantra thing is you're talking to realize this is kind of universal. I can understand this or I do have the ability to figure this out. So what you would do. You would sit down somewhere where you feel like you actually have the space to actually talk out loud. So if you have to close the door, close the door. You make one mantra statement like, I'm not deceitful, you know, and you take a big, deep breath and you slowly let it out. And then you say that same thing again and you do it five times. And then at the end of that, you do your next statement. And with a breath and you just try to let it out slowly. So it's a bigger breath because you want your shoulders to go up and you want your shoulders to fall as, as you're breathing out. And what will happen is what we do know just as an absolute fact. And I, I know we've talked about this in a previous episode, but it was a long time ago is if you do even just good breathing for two minutes, your body will calm down. It's just an, it's just a scientific fact. They've studied the the crap out of it.
1: And you'll know, you'll notice that your breathing goes from quick, shallow, maybe labored breathing, like it's hard to take a full breath, to like, (sighs) like you're able to take that full breath. And that feels like a calm or relaxed place to be.
0: Right. The whole point of those statements is actually to do two things. It's one, when you say it out loud, you're also hearing what you said. There's two senses involved in that sense. It's not just inside your body. You're making it out loud. And when you hear it, as you are calming down with breathing, you actually will interact with that statement. So it'll start to become like, well, you'll know that that's actually true. Like, okay, that is true, which automatically flies into conflict with what you just experienced. Like to say, if your boss is like, if you feel like you're being called a liar, maybe your boss didn't even do that, which would be interesting because after you get to 0 You can realize like, oh, he wasn't calling me that anyway, or she wasn't saying that anyway. And then you can actually have the conversation.
1: And you can see that there's a difference between what probably actually happened and how I feel it happened, right? If the boss, you know, wasn't calling me a liar, but was just saying, hey, this isn't okay or whatever the thing was, that situation may have happened. And it can feel like, oh, I feel like I'm my integrity is being questioned or can feel like. My honesty is in is in doubt right here. But that's not at all what was happening, right? Because it's it's more of an insecure experience that I'm having of it rather than, no, that is actually what happened. And it could
0: be that your boss is, as you think about it, is believing that. Well, and at least you're not sure. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're thinking, OK, this actually is a possibility. But you could actually have that conversation with this person if you're at zero you could bring it up you could you can also figure out what to say you can think through what it is because the problem when you're flooded you actually lose connection with your frontal orbital lobe neocortex so
1: which, which means- is What? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Your frontal. Did you go underwater for a second? You're losing connection with your
0: Yeah. Without going into too much detail, it's the part of you that can reflectively think, like I've talked before, it's the part of you that like, you (laughs) know, you (laughs) wonder if red looks good in a room. It's the part of you that can make a decision based on the entirety of the content and context. So you lose connection with those abilities. And the thing that's funny is you really do. Like you really actually do not have the ability when you're flooded. So I don't know if you're really believing us right now. It's but.
1: like if something gets unplugged, you can't like turn on the TV and be like, what's wrong with this TV? It should be able to turn on. If I just do all the right things, push all the right buttons It's like, no, if it's literally unplugged, which that it gets unplugged in your brain, if it's unplugged, the only fix is to plug that sucker back in and then you can proceed with what you need to do. And as we're going this direction
0: a little bit, I feel more impassioned about this because I think there's a lot of people that if you're on the other side and somebody's flooded, they're not going to look flooded. Here's what, it's possible. If they turned pale, you literally watch the color drain out of them and they're turned white. Yeah, they're flooded, man. And by the way, nothing that you say will help.
1: This is actually a really good point. I'm glad you brought this up because when somebody is flooded, They're in a state of fight, flight or freeze. And so what that would look like is if they're fighting, then they're getting they're becoming more argumentative or um, defensive debating. Maybe they get more aggressive, like those kinds of things. So if you know the other person to some degree, right, and you know, they're not normally like this and they're being more aggressive or whatever, then it's possible that they're flooded or moving into that state and they're in fight. Or if they're in flight, they're just shutting down like you you normally notice them to be engaged in the conversation or participating in some of those things but they're really kind of not they're just either quiet or passive or just okay you know um or i'm sorry i'm sorry you know those kinds of things then they're probably in a flight state or if they literally you know are pale and they're just they have this like blank (laughs) stare on their face they're in freeze which is essentially i'm just i'm done i'm completely done and again in any of those states, probably that cord has been unplugged, right? You don't have access to all the same resources inside of yourself. So no matter what you say, you're like, but if I put in the right code into the remote, then the other person, their TV will turn on and they'll hear. And they're like, oh, good, I get it. Nope, not going to happen. They're unplugged.
0: I'm going to add one more to that, which is Fawn. Fight, flight, freezer, Fawn. Fawn is is newer and it's a little harder to explain, but in brief, it's, If the person just starts telling you how wonderful you are and how everything is all maybe their fault and they didn't realize and blah, and it's just a bunch of um, encouragement to you (laughs) in a situation, a little bit over the top. yeah, Yeah. Then probably, probably don't even necessarily mean it. They are so desperate to not lose that relationship. They will, they have word vomit to keep it. They're basically telling you everything they think that you need to hear in order to not leave them. so. In that way, it's a a little different because it's still a flood, but they have more connection to their words. And the other thing I was saying with the disconnect, that disconnect oftentimes takes the words away. Like you don't have anything. And I think some people don't realize that that's how true it is. We do EMDR trainings with our people. There's a one of my clients was kind enough to give me video of herself in panic and the clinicians were telling me later, like that was the most helpful thing that I could see. Cause you can literally see her lose the ability to even talk. Anyway, we really wanted to make sure in doing this that that we really gave you kind of a pathway to do something with the flood to get to zero. Aaron, I don't know if you have anything else you would add to
1: that. Yeah, just in, in closing and in, and in thinking about, you know, if you're a therapist that's listening to this, you know, we're talking about this like for our listeners, if you're a client or whatever, but it's also great for in therapy, you know, because you may go through something or say something, or maybe even your therapist says something that activates you and you might feel flooded in the session. If you're a therapist and you're listening also, it's good to be able to recognize you know, when your clients are doing this and to give them the tools, equip them to get to zero, to recognize when they're in an emotionally flooded state and to help bring that back down to zero before you start working on whatever issues you need to work on. Because I think a lot of therapists want to kind of rush through and be like oh well let's get back to let's go deep let's go deep or let's fix whatever it is and it's like no we you can't even hear if you're the client you can't even hear me right now until we get to zero and you might not even know how to get to zero so it's the therapist's job to help guide you and we wanted to give you some of these tools so that you have some idea of what you can do to get your clients or get yourself if you're listening down to zero so that you can kind of re-engage in those conversations effectively
0: yeah. At the risk of one more idea with this in couples counseling, you're also managing each person and whether or not they're flooded. So I've literally told a partner before stop and they look at me confused. They cannot hear anything you're it's saying. It's a compassionate stop. Yeah, yeah. It's Then I, you know, you have to kind of work to make sure that this person feels cared for that you just told mm-hmm. to stop. But on the other hand, you're trying to give the other person space because they are not even in the room anymore. They're just gone. And so it slows everything down. So being mindful, that's different with the couples therapy, but all that to say, thank you for your headspace and your zeroness as you listened. Have a great day. Okay. I knew you were going to try that.
1: <laughs> Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt, and you'll get nine weeks worth of customized practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life.